Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Because we're going to two services on September the 10th. Yes. Um, We did two services leading into COVID. We didn't know COVID was coming, of course, but um, we moved into this building. God began to grow us. Um, We added a service because we needed to make room for people. (laughs) And then COVID came and shrunk our congregation by about 40%. And the beauty of this right now, and you may not know this, especially because about 30 or 40% of you that are in this room right now did not know us before COVID. Um, but we're averaging higher than our, our big numbers before COVID right now during the summer, which is awesome. Um, and going into September is typically when everybody's like, okay, our schedule is back. Kids are in school. We're not traveling. We're not doing stuff. And, and our, our number, as you see right now, will most likely grow in the weeks to come. And so that's why we have to go to two services because, um, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but we can either say, like, we love who's in this room and no more, or we can make room. Uh, for people. And so we, we don't want to be a people that's like, ah, you know, because, you know, not that they will go to hell if they don't come to this church. But, you know, the, that's kind of the idea. If we're not willing to say, hey, we want to love shepherd people that are ready for a church, um, we want to make room for them. So to make room for them means making another service. And making another service means that we need people uh, to step into the gifts and calling that God's placed in you that you may not even know. So I unabashedly, for the next couple of weeks, am going to encourage you to step into areas of serving in our church. Um, and I say that not with like a, a you know, like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, you have no idea what God will do with you when you just say yes to something small. I'm standing in this room, been the lead pastor of this church for almost 11 years because I said yes to a very small role, um, started fifth grade um, Sunday school or like, um, well, yeah, basically Sunday school and then started volunteering in a youth ministry and then became the youth pastor and then served in a youth ministry for nine years and then God called to be planting this church. So you have no idea what saying yes to even volunteering in our kids' ministry or with our greeters or with our setup team um, or with our coffee. We need some coffee, people. Um, there is a list, and I'm saying this at the beginning, I'll say at the end. There is a list that's going to be on the table where you got your name tags. And if you're new and you're like, man, I don't, I'm not down with name tags, um, we won't judge you if you don't have one. And if I just made eye contact with you and you don't have one, don't feel like he just judged me. I'm not. Um, but it's nice when you, you meet people, you know, the more you see their name, the more you remember their name. And the most important word in everybody's vocabulary is their name. So names are important. Um, but on that table, there'll be a, a sign-up list. So if you're like, hey, you know, I would like to step up, um, there's information you can put there and you can pick categories that you want to be in. So all that to be said, uh, we're going to be in Acts, a little bit of Acts 17 and uh, 11 verses in Acts 18. 
And there's a, a line in Acts 18 that we'll get to at the end of this, but it says, and this is what my one thing that I want you to hear, um, God says to Paul, he says, I have many in this city that are mine. I have many in this city that are mine. And, and the reason why we came here and planted this church uh, is because we felt that God called us one to this area, and you'll get a very long story of that if you come to peace with the pastor. Not long, long, not long. Longer than what I can give you right now. Because we felt, and this is one of the verses that I had wrote, written down in my journal during this time of praying and this season of going, where are we going to go? Is that, you know, I felt like God said, I have many in this city that are mine. And they don't just like pop out like they're, they're, they're just like, oh, here they are. We as a church have to cultivate through our relationships and through our gospel ministry and through our sharing our lives, um, we have to awaken God's children um, through that. And so what I want to do in today's text is talk about that idea that if they are here, then we need to step into our job of calling them out. So before we can get into that, I have a question for you. Do you understand the grace of God in redeeming you? No one will actively serve God at the capacity that he desires if you don't understand his redemption of you. Because if you don't get the grace that God has given you, you will not give other people grace. When you understand how, like Paul, when he says that I am the chief of all sinners, when you experience grace in and through that, it changes you. And it gives you a level of hope that you can look into someone else's face that may not have that belief yet and go, if God can redeem me, he can redeem you. The length that he went to show you his love. See, this truth is a prerequisite for what we're going to talk about today. And if you don't understand it, you won't be very interested in sacrificing to make sure others have the same opportunity to hear. Because God has not done, um, because God has not done that work just for you. That redemption wasn't just for you. Uh, I think it's in Corinthians, he actually says, he said, I give you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can be ministers of reconciliation. He does this thing in us so that we can do the same thing for others. He, he also talks about this idea of being the firstborn among many brothers, the first fruit, so that there would be more fruit to come. But he has done this also for his other children in this city, his, and I, I call them his future children. There are people in this city that you may be looking at, you may be interacting with right now, and you're not saying this out loud, but you're looking at, in them and at them and going, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think God can do what needs to happen for them um, that they, and we, we look at them and judge them, and, and I, I just want to say that you know, when God gets a hold of somebody, he changes them. Remember, the guy who's writing this had no interest in serving the church. His interest was in destroying the church. He actually got a letter to go after, chase them down, arrest them, throw them in jail. He was there approving of the stoning of Stephen, one of the um, disciples that was a, um, 
Oh, my God. I love it when words. Um, Deacon, thank you. This is why I love crowds. I, I, I had one time when I was preaching to a video camera during COVID, and I could not remember a word, and no one was there to save me. Thank you. And, and Paul was there. He, he was on a mission because he zealously thought that he was upholding what God wanted. And then God knocked him off his horse and said, you are my chosen instrument. For those that are like, I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do. I just want you to read Paul over and over again because my man Paul did not want to do what he's doing, what we're talking about today. And the only reason he continued to do it, the only reason through pain of death, which we'll talk about that a little bit because he experienced a lot of it, that he continued is because he understood the redemption of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 18, see, Jesus gives this, this job. He said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, I think sometimes normal, and I don't I put that in air quotes because it's, you know, I'm going to exclude you. Normal Christians think this is the job and the call of the professionals, the ones that get hands laid on them up front. The pastor and the elders, okay, well, they've been set apart. And I want to let you know that when Jesus spoke this, this wasn't just to a select few. This was given to every single person that his name has been placed over. His Holy Spirit has been placed in a job to continue. See, this is the word given to everyone. So here's a tension that we're going to try to work through is that if you're not operating in this, like if you're not on mission, what's your excuse? What's your reason for like, well, it's uncomfortable, I don't know. I mean, just think about that because we're going we're gonna to have to work through that to get on the other side. Because today uh, we'll be looking at people who had better excuses than you to choose to not do their part. We're going to look at a group of people, including Paul, that had good reason at the pain of death to not continue what he had started. So let's pray before we get into the Word. Uh, Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the acts of the apostles. Thank you that you recorded the beginning of your church. And Lord, I I pray that today um, that you would call some of your children into active duty, not full-time ministry necessarily, but to active duty. That they would hear the call of God and that they would set their life and their mission to walk out the things that you have called them to. And so, Lord, let us start with little things today so that we can progress into the things that you desire. Lord, there's people in this room right now that you've placed an even bigger calling on. And that bigger calling starts with obedience in the little. So, Lord, I I pray that you would allow people to be faithful in the little so they could be faithful in the much. And so, Lord, speak through your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Acts was the story of the church as it was born and uh, all its growing pains that he, it experienced. 
And the fun part of it is you could be sitting in this room thinking, I have no idea why I'm in this city. You know, maybe you moved here because of a job, and maybe for whatever reason you're just here, and you're not even sure. And I'm not talking about just in this building, but I'm talking about in this city. Because I want to um, talk about this verse in Acts 17 that just kind of will mess with your head, I think, a little bit. Uh, Acts 17, verse 26 and 27. It says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. I believe that as much as you had a plan to be in this city, God had a plan bigger than yours. So you may think, well, God didn't leave. You may be sitting in this room going, God didn't do nothing, that I brought myself here, and I just want to tell you um, that continue to believe that, and God will continue to do what he wants to do. Because I believe that the house... The neighborhood, the place that you live right now, God has called you to that place. And not on accident, because some of you may be thinking, oh my gosh, he, he put these neighbors, like why did he do that? You may be thinking that, no, that was the devil that placed me here because you don't know my neighbor. And I want to just tell you that God has purpose in that crazy neighbor. God has purpose in the things that happen because he knew the, your dwelling places. He knew where you were going to be. He knew that before I desired, and I've never, let me just be completely honest, and if you've been here for long, you know this, like I'm not a beach guy. I went to the beach yesterday. It is not my thing. I did not move to this city to be close to the sand. And the, I want to visit it once a year. Once a year. I, li- I, mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like it, but I want to go once a year. I don't want to go more than that. And so everybody, when we were talking about plant down here, they're like, oh, yeah, you want to go to the beach? I'm like, no. My wife and I met at App State, which is in Boone, closer to God. Weather is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like, we went on vacation there two weeks ago. It was a high of, like, 80. And the humidity was low. We woke up in the morning. It was, like, 58 to 62. You had to wear a little... It was just awesome. I regret my decisions being there. This, the flesh side of me. I mean, I'm not going anywhere, guys. I had one church plant in me, and this is it. I ain't going anywhere else. <clears throat> but God knew what he was doing when he called us to this city. And he isn't done with me every time I feel like I want to run away from this city. I told you guys this a while ago, like during the middle of COVID, I was stressed about what church was looking like, and my role is that, and I was videoing myself with my stupid phone and putting it out, and I was forgetting the word ox. And like for literally a minute, that was the word that I forgot, ox. I couldn't, I call, I was like beast of burden. I just kept going, and they like, I made a rule that if I was videotaping myself for a sermon, if I got more than five minutes in, I'm just going with it. I'm not repeating, I'm just going with it. And I was like 10 minutes in, I, could, I was like, nope, nope. And they, may, they edited it. If you find it, it's out there still. They're, actually, if you go to our social media, there's a little clip of it where they made fun of me, and it's like this thing comes on is like um, system trouble, <laughs> blah, 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 come back. 
But he, he, in the middle of that, you know, when I was like, man, I just don't even know, you know, I felt like he told me to me, for me, he was like, you can, you can, you can leave, but you'll never be happy with anything else and you'll be back. So I just decided over and over again that I'll just stay here. Proverbs 16, 9, it says, the heart of man, the heart of man's, the heart of man plans his way but the Lord establishes his steps. The Lord establishes his steps. So you're thinking, oh, I'm doing this, and I don't, I don't need God. And God's like, well, <laughs> the easy way or the hard way. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to jump over to chapter 18, verse 1. I, I wanted you to understand that um, God put you here in this place, in this city. And for right now, he put you here in this church, at least for today. So verse 1, chapter 18. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Corinth was a major trading city, grossly immoral, and lots of pagan worship. Like, this wasn't like the Bible Belt. (laughs) This was as far from that as you can get. Verse 2, and it says, And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. See, God doing his work. You know, they weren't thinking, oh man, like, oh, I'm, we're getting sent out to a mission. Like the, the leader of their region said, we don't want you leave. And so they left and they, it ended up here. But really God orchestrated that so that they would have this relationship with Paul, which they were critical leaders of the church in Acts. Uh, <clears throat> continuing on in that verse, it says, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, they were tent makers, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And, and so Paul, he had this, and he talks about this in Corinthians, and, and this isn't like necessarily for everyone, but Paul was determined to not give anyone an opportunity to go, well, he's just doing this for money. So Paul worked his butt off to make his own money, to support his own ministry, to continue to preach the word, even though he says later on that I could require this of you. He didn't want any stumbling block to be there. And one thing that you need to know about Priscilla and Aquila, they were just normal people. They weren't looking, at least from the text that we have, they weren't looking to get involved in the early church as leaders that, you know, they were looking for Jesus. They loved Jesus um, but they were just normal per- people working normal jobs. They weren't the professionals. In verse 4, it says, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. So they were making tents during the week, teaching on the Sabbath. See, since his con- conversions, they had been trying to kill Paul. They didn't like one of their own converting to the other side and basically telling the other side that you've been wrong all this time. It really is Jesus, the Messiah. To the point uh, in Acts 14, 19, this is a bad day, just for the record. Hopefully none of you experienced this amount of bad day when you serve the Lord. But Paul was preaching. They stoned him, they thought, to death, drug him outside the city and left him there to die. And his disciples come um, to him, kind of pray, and he pops back up. And you know what he does? He doesn't run away. He goes back into the city. I'm telling you. Like, if y'all stole me, I'm not coming back next week. (laughs) Like, 
I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, but Paul, Paul understood the redemption of Christ, and that redemption in his and the grace that he experienced superseded any discomfort that he would have to the point that he led himself to imprisonment and to his death because he chose to go back to Jerusalem later even though the prophets were saying, hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you go back. Nothing was going to stop Paul. Paul understood God's love for him. And as we'll see, uh, was willing to stay on mission at all costs. So verse 5, it says, When Silas and Timothy arrived, some of his disciples from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Most likely they were bringing support in to help with the church movement um, from the other so that he could preach more full time. Not from the area he was at, but from some of his supporters outside the area. In 2 Corinthians eleven nine, it says, And when I was with you, uh, I was in need, and I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening burdening you in any way. Yep, some words just don't want to come out of my mouth. Uh, Verse 6, it says, And when they had an opportunity to revile him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your heads. heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. That was Paul, that's Paul's rhythm. He would go into a city and he would preach to the Jews first. They would reject him and then he would preach to the Gentiles. When he got saved from Jesus, when he got knocked off the donkey, he said, you are my chosen instrument to the Gentiles. This was his mission from the beginning. even if it were to just make the people of God jealous as they saw the faith move into people that they didn't deem worthy to worship their God. Verse 7, And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God, and his house was next door to the synagogue. And Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believing in the Lord together with his, his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. Remember that in Matthew 28. I will be with you to the end. And no one, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. I believe, though we aren't Corinth, uh, I believe that God has many in the city that are his. Every broken, strained relationship can be restored through Jesus. Every uh, addiction or struggle that had the answer to people is Jesus. And see, the, the truth is, sometimes us in this room, me included, we don't make Jesus our answer. We try to figure out things our own. We try to actively make everything happen that God's just saying, hey, put it in my hands. Trust me. Which is real hard. I, I want to say, even from the leader of this church, 
it is hard at times to trust God because everything in you is like, okay, well, I just need to do A. Instead of just saying, God, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want us to go? I think God is calling us to get ready for things. I, I have believed um, since we moved here um, that God has something that he's trying to do in this city. And I don't mean just Leland and just Brunswick County, but like there's a reason, and, and the world would say other things, there's a reason why this, this county has been one of the fastest growing counties for the years before we got here and still now. And people are coming to the city in droves. And I'm going to, you know, the, the world will say because there's more land here and Wilmington's landlocked and, you know, the pricing is a little bit cheaper. But I, I don't know about that anymore. I'm just going to tell you that if I was moving to the city to plant a church now, we could not afford to buy a house. Which I'm really grateful that we went when he did and we bought when he did. And it's, it's great. It's great. But I believe that God has called us here not just for us to lay down our lives. And I said this last week. There was eight families that sacrificed to make this church happen. And you are resting in and enjoying the labor that they put forth for you. And what we're asking through this series as we go into two services is that you would be willing to do something even smaller than that because you don't even have to move. They all left their town they sold houses they bought houses they changed jobs to come here to this city to lay the groundwork for what you see in this room and what we're asking and what i'm asking is for some of you to say i want to do i want to pay it forward and then this is please please you're like man this guy just wants his church to run smoother and he just need bodies I'm not going to lie, that's a little bit of it. We do need people here to make this happen. If, you're, if you've never been here, this room doesn't look anything like that. If you've been here on Sunday morning, on weekday mornings, this, this is set up like their dining room. There's tables that are in here with chairs. Behind this beautiful curtain right here, there is a, a roll-up door where they get served food to the seniors for lunch every day. This room has to be set up, and I, I told our setup team, um, that literally we, you wouldn't be sitting in these chairs if people didn't get here early and put them there. And then when you leave, put them back. And what we're asking is for you to put in a little sweat equity, a little bit, and I say that with pure motives in a sense that I think that God is wanting to do something in you. God's wanting to stir something in you and it won't just happen. Sometimes we will sit in our room going, God, we want you to show up. We want you to do this. And we're waiting here where he's just saying, hey, just, just start walking. Just step into it. You don't, I, we're not talking about life change. We're not talking about you know, quitting your job and going to seminary. We're saying, hey, here's some small areas that you may serve in that God may do something in you. So, and I, I said last week, I think we already... I think we had three people last week because we had, we had two slots in a baby room uh, and we have three people fighting for those two slots. Um, now, <clears throat> we still need more people in our kids' ministry. We always will because we have um, right now, I think four families that have had babies in the last three months. 
And so they're not all here right now because they're real little. But like in the next three months, this is going to be like baby galore. And our, our little baby room is going to be like we're going to need people, uh, looking for people to step into those things. Um, kids ministry is always going to be one in, in the, I mean, not to sell this. And if you don't really like me, then this isn't a big seller. Um, but if you get on the setup team, you get to hang out with me every Sunday morning <laughs> for like an hour. Actually, we, we knocked this room out in about 45 minutes. Um, so you can almost come serve and set up and go get coffee or pick up your spouse and kids. I mean, we are, we are a machine. This place, man. Um, and we got, you know, these nice people that greet you on the way in. We got greeters. We got ushers. We got coffee team. But on the sheets that are out there, if you're like, hey, I want to serve, you'll put that on there, your name, contact information sometime in the next week or two as we're preparing for that. Somebody will reach out to you. So you have no idea. Like when someone walks in here, if you've never thought about it, like the, everything that happens in this building before you get here. Like somebody's brewing you coffee, and I know it's hot right now, and you're thinking, Ugh. now the coffee junkies, like you're like, yes, thank you. But as it gets cooler, you know, you don't know what it means for just someone, a parent, to check in their kids and know their kids are getting loved on and are safe. Come in here just for a minute, have a hot, hot cup of coffee in their hand, and thinking, Lord, whoo. I know, I know, I'm, I'm selling real hard here. I'm selling real hard. So back to the beginning of the message. Do you understand the grace of God in redeeming you? The length that he went to show you his love on the cross. It is never hard to tell people about good news. Think about it. If you just had a little baby and she's super cute, what do people talk about? What do they show you? You don't have to tell them, like, oh, show me pictures of your baby. They're like, boom. Look, look at this. If I know me, and sometimes you sick, you guys are sick of hearing about F3 or some other thing that I'm doing. But like when you're doing something, you're excited about it. No one has to tell you, can you share about the thing that you're excited about? Well, let me just tell you, we need to be excited about Jesus. Because all the other things will fade and go away. All the other cute babies will turn into beautiful two-year-olds, <laughs> awesome three-year-olds, amazing teenagers and high-functioning adults later. <laughs> they'll, they'll change. And, and the, you know, the new car that you're excited to show somebody will become an old car that someone eventually will get down the road. But the kingdom will never get old. For eternity, we will get to worship and not on a cloud. He's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to experience at some point His children the Eden that he made for his original children. And we want, I want, and hopefully you want, as many people in that family as possible. And to do that, and again, it is not just in this church. What I'm trying to do is activate you into his kingdom. And he may activate you here and send you somewhere else. He may activate you here and connect you with some ministry serving in some area that we're not even that you get so excited about, that you pull other people into serving the homeless in our area. There, there's so much stuff in this city that we can get plugged into. God uses normal, non-professional people to do his work all the time. 
my hope is that you would get plugged in because we're going to need your help. I want to invite our, our worship team back up. I'm going to close with this same line that I started with. Is that we want all this because we believe that God has many in this city that are his. And, and maybe, maybe this morning you're one of his future children that didn't plan to be his child. Maybe you're in this room because someone invited you here or because you walked in here or because you're not sure even what you need. And let me just tell you the beauty of the redeeming grace. Every single person in this room is a wreck. Some of us are managed wrecks. Some of us are recovered wrecks, but we're a wreck. No one in this room, including me with my little um, pastor, elder, whatever banner and my little microphone up here, has got everything figured out. Every one of us needs Jesus, and he knew that he needed, we needed him. God has been trying to build that relationship that was severed because of the original sin, the apple in the garden. He's been trying to restore that. And for those that have never seen this, you can go back and read Genesis 3.15. And you see that he had a plan because sometimes we're like, what was God thinking? Why, why did these things happen? And some of us right now could be like, what is God doing? And I just want to tell you, I don't know everything God is doing, but I do know that he has a plan because in Genesis 3.15, he proclaimed his plan about his son coming and establishing himself that the children would be against each other talking about satan and jesus one would strike his heel and jesus would crush his head and he gave us the capacity to know him again by his sacrifice hebrews says do not be deceived there will be no forgiveness of sin because without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness for you by earned good behavior. Hear me. For, for anyone in this room that's thinking, well, I'm a pretty good person. Better, I'm going to say a word that's not really a word, but it just fits. Better, gooder people than you aren't going to go to heaven. Because your goodness doesn't get you to heaven. Uh, your trust and faith in Jesus Christ and belief in his sacrifice is what gets us to heaven. And so we need to understand redemption in us. So you may be in this room going, I don't even know that he would want me. And I just want to look at you in the face. And I want to tell you specifically that God died for you. There's no one, there's nothing that you have done that would eliminate the grace from being poured out in your life. And any voice or other person that whispers in that into your ear is a liar. God wants to redeem those things. Look, he redeemed horrible people. I love that the Bible was not cleaned up. I love that the heroes and the people that we honor today, they weren't perfect. I love that David's story wasn't cleaned. And if God can say of David, a guy after my own heart that intentionally had an affair that intentionally murdered the husband of that lady, um, God can redeem us. And so this morning, if you need that grace, ask for it. Just say, God, I'm a mess. And I I, I couldn't fix my mess. And and maybe you've tried, and maybe you're thinking, when I get to that place, I'll be be good enough, and things will be okay. And I just want to tell you that there isn't that place. Jesus is that place. 
surrender to him and just say, God, I need you. And, and what that, that doesn't fix everything. I, I wish there was like a prayer and you would never have a struggle. You would never have a, a step into sin. It just begins a relationship that you continue for the rest of your life. A relationship that you have to cultivate just like the relationship that you have with other people, your spouse, your children. You have to continue to cultivate that relationship. And so what I want to do, I want to pray for us, uh, and then we're going to worship, um, and then we'll close out our service. Lord, for us to change our city, uh, we have to experience you. We have to know the redemption and the grace and the mercy that you offer us. So, Lord, with that, Lord, I pray that you wouldn't hide um, our sin for us, that we wouldn't delude ourselves to thinking that we're, we're good enough. Lord, I pray that we would be like Paul that heard your voice and said, my grace is sufficient. And that our statement would be uh, that we would boast all the more in our weakness so that you would be lifted high. And so, Lord, if there are people in this room that have not said yes to you, have not begun that journey of being your child, Lord, I pray that you call them into your kingdom. I pray that there would be celebration today because of that surrender. And, Lord, I pray for every other person in this room that are your children, that not to guilt people into doing more, but Lord, I, I pray that you would awaken a calling in people, that we would be hungry uh, to serve you, to see our fruitfulness in being obedient to you. So Lord, show us your grace. And let's, let us be your instruments. So Lord, thank you for what you are doing in this city. Thank you for what you have done. Uh, we just pray your grace as we continue the ministry. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.